So we've been in this series we're calling All In from the book of Matthew. So who needs a Bible? Because they'll bring you one right from the back. Just raise your hand. They'll put one in your hand. We want you reading God's Word. We want you to know God's Word. We want you to get to read it for yourself. So just raise your hand. Don't be shy. And they'll, put, well, they'll give one to you and then look up Matthew. We're mostly going to be in Matthew 13. But uh, Bill, we've got one right. Come up the center aisle, Bill. And, um, but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 3. So uh, please... Uh, Turn to Matthew chapter 3 when you, you get it and find it, and uh, we're going to look at several things together. You know, here we are on Veterans Day, as we've been celebrating. hundred years ago, this very day, major hostilities of World War I were formally ended. And wouldn't it be great if we were able to say that was the end of hostilities and conflict? But uh, we know that that conflict still exists in the world because evil still exists in the world and people still exist in the world. And so it's not something that we can solve by being good Americans. Um, I mean, we strive to be responsible citizens of our country and we vote and we pay our taxes and we add value to our community, but we have a higher priority because fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so this world is not our home. We work to make it better while we're here, but this world is not our home, and we are simply passing through on our way to our home in heaven, where we will live forever and ever and ever, and where our Savior and champion Jesus shines in all His glory. And so we're kind of like immigrants, aren't we? I mean, we were born in one country with learning one language and one culture, and then we migrate to a new country where there's a different language and an unfamiliar country where there's a steep learning curve. And sometimes the very words leave people assuming vastly different things. For instance, you know, since it's a day of heightened military awareness and we have a couple of Marines here and we're honoring vets, let me use a military example. If you were to give the command, secure the building, the Navy would turn out the lights and lock the door. If you said secure the building to the army, they would surround the building with defensive fortifications, tanks, and uh, concertina wire. If you said secure the building to the Marine Corps, they would assault the building. They would use overlapping fields of fire from appropriate points on the perimeter. They would blow it up. <laughs> if you said secure the building to the Air Force, they would take out a three-year lease with an option to buy. So we're trying to be clear, okay? And what we're looking at today is the riddle of the kingdom of heaven, or it's called the kingdom of God. And when you become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, what is your, you know, your citizenship? And it's in heaven. And so Jesus is wanting to be clear on this, that we are, as we follow him, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So just before Jesus arrived, John the Baptist showed up as a prophet to announce that the Savior was coming. And if you look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, it, John comes with the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Kingdom of heaven might have been uh, confusing or wondering what is going on, what is he talking about, but the repent part certainly was understood by people, that it was time to repent and to ask God for his forgiveness. And that means you have to humble yourself and admit, I have done things wrong, my uh, things I've done wrong have separated me in my relationship from God, and I need to get right with him. And just in case they missed it, if you turned over a page to chapter 4, Matthew 4, verse 17 
You see, from that time, Jesus began to preach, right? The beginning of his ministry, same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus calls us to repent and to prepare to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the king of kings. So to be part of the kingdom of heaven is to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, this is an important theme with Jesus, this kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. In fact, in his most famous sermon, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom. So if you turn the page and go to Matthew 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So who's going to be in heaven? People who are poor of spirit. People, that would be people who have recognized you're broken and you need God's help that you just can't do it on your own, that God isn't going to grade on the curve and you're going to be on the, uh, on the pleasant side of the curve. It's not going to work that way. And, and so it, to be poor in spirit means you're recognizing I'm broken and I need God's help. Now, I used to have a guy that would come up after a sermon and he would say something to the effect, I'm so glad you talked about that today. I'm really, really good at that skill, but I know there's a lot of people in the room who need that. Jesus goes on in Matthew 5, verse 10. He says, Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the kingdom value here that Jesus is lifting up as a value is you believe something so much that you are willing to suffer for it and you will uh, preserve your loyalty to following Christ and loving Christ even if it costs you a great deal. And... Then in verse 20, it shows up again. Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this must have blown them away because the scribes and the Pharisees were the educated ones. They're the ones who spent their life reading the Scripture, studying the Scripture, memorizing the Scripture, knowing every little jot and tittle, talking about it, arguing about it, splitting hairs over it. And he says, unless you have a greater righteousness than theirs, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's lifting up the kingdom value of righteousness that it's not how much knowledge you can amass. It's not all the facts that you can deliver or all the things that you know about the Bible, righteousness that's worth anything is received as a gift from God. It's not something that you earned. It's not something that you deserve. We are called to live by God's word, not just know it in our head and to know what it says and to be able to argue about it. We are to live out what it says. Turn the page to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God which is the same thing as the kingdom of heaven, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the value that he's giving us here is that you put God's will, God's way, first in your priorities and in your life. Do that first, and God will take care of your basic needs. He's been talking about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, and all those kinds of things. And he's saying, just put God first. And you'll see it all come together in your life. And then in the next chapter, Matthew 7, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know, some people are all talk, and they don't walk it. And the kingdom value here is walk it, don't just talk it. Obedience to the word of Christ will determine who is in relationship with God and who will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Do you live it out every day of the week, not just Sunday morning when you're sitting in church?
Jesus goes on to teach and to preach to lots of different places. And this theme of the kingdom of heaven came up often. It shows up again in Matthew 8. If you turn the page, he says in verse 11, I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the patriarchs. They were the, Abraham was the first person that God came to and said, go where I'm going to show you. I'll make of you a great nation. He's, he's the father of the Jewish nation before they were even called Jews. Isaac was his son and Jacob was his grandson. And from a Jewish point of view, they often thought, well, the only people that God loves were his favorites, you know, and we're going to be the only ones in heaven. And Jesus kind of just blows that apart right here where he says, reclining at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are people coming from the east and from the west. The kingdom value is that heaven will be for people from any background who have loved Jesus, who have obeyed Jesus, not just the people like us. Not just Jewish people, East and West will be there. So what we're trying to understand in, with the kingdom of heaven is, is something that we've never seen. Because it's not a geography, it's not a place. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Kind of reminded me of the poem by John Godfrey Sachs, The Blind Men and the Elephant. You, you've probably heard it before, but it goes like this. It, there were six men of Indistan to learning much inclined who went to see an elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is nothing but a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, it's mighty clear, this wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he, tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong. Though each was partly in the right, they all were in the wrong. Now, we kind of come to the kingdom of heaven that way. We're trying to understand the kingdom of heaven. And it's something that's much bigger and more complicated than an elephant. And it's foreign to our thinking. And we aren't blind, but we can't see the kingdom of heaven. Like I say, it's a relationship with God, who is a spirit. And so Jesus is explaining it patiently over and over and a bit at a time. So if we were to review what we know so far from Matthew, uh, chapters 3 through 8, the kingdom of heaven is for people who are broken and will admit it, people who have humbled themselves before God, people who put God's will and God's way first in their life, people who are seeking diligently after God, and it won't be just one little group. It'll be people who are Jewish and people who are not. It'll be people from the east and people from the west. Heard a story of a guy that got to heaven, and St. Peter let him in at the gate, and they're going in, and Peter says, shh, 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 and they tiptoeing past a room that's full of people. And he says, well, who is that? He said, well, he told him their favorite name, and he said, they think they're the only ones here. 
God has a bigger plan. And it's the reason that we put big money into missionaries in Africa and Indonesia and into Costa Rica because we believe that God wants Africans and Indonesians and Costa Ricans in heaven. It's the reason that we've adopted two people groups in Nepal. We've sacrificed and sent missionaries there and translated scriptures in Nepal and in India because we believe that God wants Nepalese people and Indians to find their way to Jesus and into heaven. We believe that that's what God desires people from the east and from the west, from all over to come before him and to be part of his family, part of his kingdom. So Jesus goes around teaching and he quickly got into debates with the religious educated people because they're wanting to argue the finer points of the law, I'm sure. But they came off as angry and picky and easy to offend and hard-lined small thinkers. Kind of unfortunately, like a lot of people think about Christians in our day. So that's why this Love Thy Neighbor, just to put in a little plug for it next Sunday, the celebration in the afternoon, you go, well, I don't need one more meal. <clears throat> Maybe not. But the idea is that about last year about 400 people came to it, and they're just our neighbors around us, and it's just an opportunity to sit at a table and to act as their host or hostess and to engage them in conversation. We don't need as many dishwashers and uh, you know, p- potato servers as we do people just to come be friendly with somebody you don't know and have a conversation. And in the process, church and Christ will come up. We're not worried about that. And you'll be able to share Jesus with them in a, in a, in a compelling and in a friendly kind of way. See, finally, Jesus broke free, and we saw that last week where he finally uh, left the religious people in the house, and he went outside, and he sat down, and he just started talking to the people who gathered around him who really wanted to hear what he had to say. And you know what his favorite topic was? Well, of course, the kingdom of heaven. I mean, it's what he talks about. In chapter 13, he's just run story after story after story about the kingdom of heaven. And we looked at the one last week. Remember what it was? The sower and the seed, tossed the seed out, and some uh, got eaten by birds, and some got trampled, some got choked out, and then some bore a good, a good crop. So look what he has to say this week, because he's telling several more parables. We're going to start in verse 24, but a parable is a little story with a spiritual point. And you can just listen to the story and go, oh, that was an interesting story. Or you can say, what is the point of Jesus telling this story? What is he trying to tell us? So verse 24, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Actually, they could have said, did we not sow good seed in your field? Because they were the ones doing the work. Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to them, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now the master of this house has planted good seed. Because he wants a crop. And the enemies come along and added weeds. And they grow together. See, to remove the, we- the weeds would uproot and destroy some of the fruit of the good seed. Some of the wheat would be lost. And the master's primary concern is grow a great harvest. So the weeds can get in the way of the wheat growing. So will there be distractions? Yes. 
Will there be setbacks? Yes. Will there be difficulties for the wheat to grow? Yes. Grow a great harvest anyway. And so someday when we stand before him, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? For us to say, oh, you know, there were so many weeds. Oh, there were so many distractions. My life was so busy. I really had to keep up with everybody around me, and the life was pacing on and on. He doesn't want to hear your excuses. What did you do with what he gave you? And there will be all those things, and it makes the difficulty for the harvest to grow greater than it would have been. But grow anyway. Grow a great harvest for the Lord and accomplish the work that he's given us to do. The servants come to the master for guidance, and then they obey his bidding, which is not what they would have intuitively thought, hey, here's the right thing to do. So they just followed what he told them to do. And we see in this that there is a day of reckoning when the wheat is separated from the weeds, and one will be trashed and one will be treasured. So the kingdom value, if you say, what is Jesus trying to teach us about the kingdom in this, is that there is a spiritual fruit that's being produced, and God will ask you, what has your life produced? So grow your faith despite the distractions. Anybody find any distractions this week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they don't even wait for us to wake up. So the next parable that Jesus says, the verse 31, then he put another parable before them. So this one's the parable of the mustard seed, which the point is, don't quit. Faith starts small. He put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took, and he sowed it in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed. I don't even think a mustard seed is half the size of a grain of rice. They're teeny. They're insignificant. An awful lot of these mustard seeds are usually ground up and used for spices. If you've ever eaten Indian food, you have eaten uh, some mustard seed. And they start so tiny that it seems insignificant. But Jesus is saying, don't be fooled by something that starts small. Because the kingdom of God is starting small. So small you might miss it. Or take it for granted or discount it. But don't do that. Because if God is in it, it's going to succeed. And it will reach its full potential. It will grow and become very large and productive and useful, and it will fulfill God's purpose. So the kingdom value we see here is that size doesn't really impress God. He, he's not impressed if, you're, if your church is huge or if it's small. Is it healthy? Is it growing? Is it fruitful? Is it doing the things that God wants it to do? He wants us to be fruitful, and he wants us to be of service to others. I don't know that the farmer, when he planted the little mustard seeds, ever thought, wow, this is going to grow so big, a bird can make its nest and it have its home in this plant. But it's kind of a, a byproduct, if you will. You would think if you're planting mustard seeds, you're, you're going to want to have those seeds for spices. And so God is wanting us to grow, and he's, he's encouraging us, keep growing fully devoted followers, have you grown some in Christ this week or this month or this year? Or are you neutral, just kind of coasting along, saying, oh, I've gotten so busy, I don't have time for that stuff? Well, get back in gear and get back to the basics. Because the parable of the mustard seed says, don't quit, because faith starts small, but it doesn't end there. So persist. Then he has a third parable, the parable of the leaven. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. 
Now, this is the same, making the same point as the little parable above it of the mustard seed. Here's something that's very small. You might miss it or take it for granted or discount it, but don't do that. It's the parable that says, faith in Jesus Christ will have a profound and penetrating effect on your life, getting you ready for heaven and making useful in service to others. So, you know, on Sunday mornings, usually I make a, sh a healthy shake for myself. Try to avoid the donuts, leave those for you. But um, if I put a list, a little bit of ginger in the drink, you can tell. Because it doesn't take much ginger in a shake to have it affect the entire shake. Well, he's saying the same here with a little bit of leaven. That a woman takes three measures, that's 60 pounds of flour, and a little tiny bit of leaven she puts in and she mixes it in and then she, she lets it sit there and it rises all because of the leaven. Now the leaven, it's interesting, is in Scripture a lot in the Old Testament as a picture of sin, that you get a little bit of sin in your life and it's going to expand and it's going to take over and it's going to change things in a negative way. In fact, you have the Feast of Passover, also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because in that feast they were required to remove all the leaven from their home for a week and eat their bread without any leaven in it, which makes it more like a cracker or a wafer, to remind them that sin starts small, but it could take over your life if you're not careful. And Jesus knows this about leaven, but it's interesting that he would use the same word picture of leaven to talk about the kingdom of heaven, that it starts small, but if God is in it, then its effect will be worldwide, that it's hidden from our sight, but its effect is penetrating. It changes everything. It transforms a pancake into a loaf of bread. So the kingdom value in this little parable is let God's values permeate your heart and watch him transform your whole life. Well, then Jesus goes on he, to, to say in verse 34, all these things Jesus said to the crowd in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Now that quote is found from Psalm 78, verse 2. So it comes out of the Old Testament, but the, we also had the same idea expanded a little earlier in the chapter that we looked at last week of basically saying he's going to speak in parables because those that are, we used, remember the word picture of colorblind? People who are colorblind couldn't see the number in the circle, and the people who are spiritually blind or spiritually dead don't hear when the Lord is speaking. And so he spoke in parables because if people said, oh, that's an interesting story, what's for lunch, then they went on their way. Or if they said, that's an interesting story, what is God trying to tell me in that portion of his word? Well, it's interesting, the disciples, because they had Jesus right there, they would just go ask him. Look at verse 36. Then he left the crowd, and he went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he said, well, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. And the weeds are the son of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. 
The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And then once again, Jesus said, he has ears. Let him hear. So when you look at this little explanation, the, the kingdom values that uh, get lifted up, the sower is the son of man. That's Jesus' favorite name for himself. And the field is the world. And he's sowing the seed, the good news, or he calls the good seed the sons and daughters of the kingdom, that he's planted the seed and it, it grows fruit in their hearts. So they were dead, now they've come alive. You're, you know, you're planted here by the son of man to be fruitful. So... How you happen to come alive when you did or live where you do, it doesn't really matter. You just start with the situation you have and to say, how do I be fruitful in this situation for the son of man, the sower, the one who gives us the good seed? The weeds, he says, are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy is the devil. And the harvest is going to arrive at the end of the age, and the angels will be the reapers. Well, Remember, this is the one where the weeds are planted in among the wheat, and the wheat still has the job to grow. And you can get lost in the weeds. And in fact, in the first parable, the weeds choke out some of the fruit. Well, you know, I went to a Christian college, and there was a student body president while I was there. And then I graduated, and 10 years went by. And during that 10 years, I moved around the country and I got married and Cindy and I had served in ministry and we had three kids all in the first 10 years. And then wouldn't you know that person who had been the student body president moved to work at a college in the town where we were living at the time. And, and so uh, I went over to the college and invited her to come to, uh, come to church. And uh, at first she seemed evasive and then finally she said, she said, well, you need to know, Ty, I'm not really living for Jesus Christ right now. I'll get, have to get back to you. Now, this was a shock to me that somebody who had gone to a Christian school, had become a leader at a Christian school, had somehow in the, just a 10-year period decided, I'm going to just let go of all that and I'm going to just live the way I think. Rather than holding on to the truth of God's word and saying Jesus is for real and he really meant what he said and we need to keep following him regardless of the, uh, the weeds or the distractions, regardless of the, 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 the wind in our face. Jesus isn't a fad. He's not a style that goes in and goes out. You have to decide, is Jesus for real? And if he's for real and the answer is yes, then you put him in charge of your life for now and forever. And you look at yourself and you ask, am I one of the wheat? Am I one of the weeds? Am I one of the ones who's going to live for Jesus or am I going to just go along with the world? And you're going to look around. If you live for Christ long enough, you're going to look around and people that you thought were all in are gone. Stay focused on Christ at that moment yourself so that you are a, a part of the fruitful harvest because there's a coming judgment. And he says the weeds will go into the fiery furnace and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. I mean, Jesus has said before, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. But he's saying it's time to decide to get on board with Christ, that God's word has been proclaimed to you. So you've heard God's word have you heard him speak to you? Because your actions will indicate whether you did or you didn't. And it will show whether you're one of the weeds or one of the wheat. 
And he wants you to be his sons and daughters of the kingdom. He wants you to be the harvest. So these three parables from Jesus give us insight into his kingdom. The parable of the weeds says, grow your faith despite distractions. The parable of the mustard seeds says, don't quit. Faith starts small. And the parable of the leaven says, faith in Jesus Christ will have a profound and penetrating effect on your life. You won't see it, but it's getting you ready for heaven from the inside out, and it will cause you to be useful in service to others. Shall we pray? Dear God, I thank you for this, your word to us. I pray for each of us here that we will apply it in our own heart and in our own life, that we will listen to your voice and that we will follow you in all things. Thank you that you were willing just to speak to regular people like us. You wanted us to know God's word so that we can hear your word and respond in faith. Thank you that Jesus is that rock on which we can build our lives. Amen.